1: How you doing, Doc?
2: I'm good. How are you?
1: I have no complaints today. Well, I guess I do, but I mean, none that oh, I, no. none I want to go over. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no, just no, a no, regular you, complaint of the exactly, day. Exactly.
1: Huh? Yeah. You know, just like a, it's a Wednesday. Got it. This is Solvable. I'm Ronald Young Jr.
2: Just the impact of being Black in this world comes with its own mental health challenges because of racism, because of discrimination, because of all of these things.
1: In May 2020, U.S. Census Bureau data revealed that 34 out of every 100 American adults experienced depression, anxiety, or both. And while many rely on psychotherapy as an effective tool for managing their mental health, for Black Americans, that path to wellness was not necessarily paved with good intentions.
2: The system was not developed with us in mind and it has been really harmful you know there was a diagnosis at one point in the dsm which is our like big manual of you know mental health concerns for slaves who ran away from their plantation
1: according to the american psychiatric association black people are more often diagnosed with schizophrenia and less often diagnosed with mood disorders compared to white people with the same symptoms were offered medication and therapy at lower rates than the general population. Only about 4% of therapists are Black. Another challenge can be the internal struggle over whether or not therapy is the right choice.
2: A lot of Black families, at least historically, have like very deep religious and spiritual backgrounds. And so for a very long time, it was thought that if you had a mental illness or you were struggling with your mental health, that meant you had a weak relationship with God.
1: Dr. Joy Harden Bradford is a licensed psychologist, author, and the founder of Therapy for Black Girls, an online resource that encourages the mental well-being of Black women and girls. She created the platform to break down the stigmas that keep Black folks from pursuing therapy and help people connect to the support they need. Dr. Harden also serves as the host of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a series of weekly conversations around mental health, and personal development.
2: Making mental health content and resources that are relevant and accessible is a solvable problem.
1: What was your earliest introduction to therapy?
2: Therapy probably wasn't something that I saw until I went to undergrad, because it it was the kind of thing where like nobody talked about. Now, of course, looking back, you know, there were lots of conversations like from my mom and my aunts around like, oh, my nerves are bad, mm-hmm. right? And so clearly now as an adult and as a psychologist, I know the language of that is anxiety, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but then it was just kind of like, oh, you know, they're just, you know, worked up or whatever. Like there was never a language or nobody talked about anxiety. You know, I'm from a very small town in Louisiana. And so, you know, there weren't lots of conversations. I don't even know that there is a practicing therapist probably within, 15 to 20 miles of my home. Um oh, wow. so I kind of got interested in psychology in high school cuz I had an opportunity to take a um like a catalog class where they rolled this this TV into the classroom and you like watch this recording. Um so that's when I fell in love with psychology. And so when I went to undergrad, I knew I wanted to be a psych major, but I had the opportunity to do like a shadowing of a therapist in New Orleans, and that was the first time I actually saw therapy done.
1: When you got to the point where you were actually in the seat yourself, like providing Mm -hmm. therapy to folks, was it then that you were able to make the connection about the absence of this valuable tool for Black people um, and kind of the position that you were in to be able to offer this type of help?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, so in my PhD program, of course, we learned a lot about like just the discrepancies and the stigma related to mental health services, you know, particularly in communities of color, Black people, especially. Once I learned about that, it definitely felt like, well, if I am going to be in grad school and like dedicating my life to this work, then I'm definitely going to be helping people who look like me.
1: But why do you think this stigma exists for Black people? Because I feel like as a Black person growing up, like therapy has always been something that we just, we always just shied away from. And for Mm -hmm. me, growing up, uh, growing up religious, it's, it's always been attached to the fact that we turn to Jesus for our help. Like if you need help, you pray, you go to God in prayer, take your burdens to the Lord, leave them there, all that. Those are all the language that we've used growing up. So do you think that's the root of the stigma or is there something deeper that comes with being black that gives us this aversion to therapy?
2: I think that you have hit the nail on the head. I feel like that is a really large part of it. Just like numbers wise, a lot of Black families, at least historically, have like very deep religious and spiritual backgrounds. And so for a very long time, it was thought that if you had a mental illness or you were struggling with your mental health, that meant you had a weak relationship with God, right? Or you weren't strong enough in your walk with God or, you know, whatever your faith practice was. And so I think for a lot of us, historically, that is where it has come from. Um, So I grew up Catholic. Well, my dad is Baptist, so we kind of grew up kind of in a hybrid. But I also think that we cannot discount the, the danger and the harm that has been done by the mental health field. You know, so this, again, like many things in the world, was not created by Black people, right? This was created by older white men, some from the U.S. and some from other countries. And the system was not developed with us in mind. And it has been really harmful. You know, there was a diagnosis at one point in the DSM, which is our, like, big manual of, you know, mental health concerns for slaves who ran away from their plantation. So clearly very adaptive behavior and and behavior that I would consider very normal and healthy has been stigmatized, right? And so it has not always been safe for us to be able to share that we are struggling with with things.
1: My friend Morgan encouraged me to talk to a therapist for several months before I committed to going myself. For me, it was a matter of not only being able to have the support I needed, but to be supported and validated by someone Black. I thought the second part would be a major hurdle. But in this case, finding a Black therapist was as easy as being referred by someone else Black who had been in therapy. However, for many Black Americans, those resources are not just one friend away. Dr. Hardin Bradford works to address that. Tell me how you started Therapy for Black Girls.
2: So I started Therapy for Black Girls after watching the Black Girls Rock Award show on BET. Mm. Black women in various genres are given awards for like music and philanthropy and education, right? So people were dancing and celebrating and loving on one another. And so really what I wanted to do was kind of capture some of that same kind of energy that could be applied to mental health. And so I purchased the domain, and then at the time, I just started blogging on the site. Um, And so I was sharing information about, like, what kinds of questions do you ask a therapist? How do I know if I need a therapist? You know, am I depressed? How do you have healthy friendships? Like, just general mental health kinds of things. And I started listening to a lot of podcasts. And so I added the podcast because I fell in love with the medium of podcasting, right? And so, (laughs) right, as you have also, right? Absolutely. Um, (laughs) And it just felt like, you know, yes, I'm blogging on the site, but podcasts might be a really cool way to be able to share some of this information that might reach a, a very different audience. And so adding the podcast as well as the therapist directory, I really feel like, you know, just kind of reached a need that people really had at the time.
1: I only recently started therapy, probably in December 2019. So it hasn't been very long. And one of the issues I noticed was that there really isn't a, a ton of resources in the Black community for people who have who have never been exposed to therapy, don't know anything about therapy, and don't know how to get to therapy. There's a lack of Black therapists mm-hmm. uh, in the mental health community. So how right. are you how are you helping to solve for that?
2: So I spent a lot of time on social media and I kept seeing people have this same kind of conversation, you know, like, oh, I'd love to have a Black woman therapist. Does anybody have a suggestion for a Black woman therapist? And I thought, why isn't there a place where we can have all of this information together? I started the directory really as just a Google form. So I put out a a questionnaire saying, you know, if you're a Black woman and you've had a good experience with your therapist, list them here and I will compile it so that other people can maybe find, you know, a a good connection as well. Um, and it really just kind of grew word of mouth and it became a thing that I could not manage by myself anymore. So I think I started that in December of 2016. And by the end of that year, we had like 90 therapists listed in the Google form. And now the directory has over 4,000 therapists. And so it really has just grown because, you know, like we've been talking about, like there is a real need. A lot of people who are finally taking that step to talk with a therapist do want a therapist who looks like them. And so the directory, I think, has been helpful for people in that search.
1: On your podcast, you like to use pop culture as a way to break down mental health. Uh how is the show Insecure a useful tool for <laughs> educating people about mental health and relationships? One of my favorite shows, by the way.
2: Um, yeah, it is such a great show. And I feel like, especially for my audience, right, um, and lots of people love Insecure, but I, I think especially for Black women, it is it is such a, a nice way to kind of see the, the issues and the concerns that kind of play out in Black women's lives, like easily on screen. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that I think is also a way to kind of reduce the stigma related to mental Health because we can talk about what's happening between Issa and Molly mm-hmm. as opposed to like talking about what's happening with you. Right. So if we can talk about it with a character and you identify with some of it, then you may start to ask yourself some questions. You may start to think like, oh, okay, maybe I can talk with a therapist about those things. And so I think when you can use pop culture, it it adds a way for people to kind of have some of these conversations that don't feel threatening, that don't feel like as personal because you're talking about characters or, you know, TV shows.
1: This is anecdotal i'm I'm sure, but I think it's something that you and I will probably agree on that black women seem to bear the burden of much of the strain of the black community uh, mm-hmm. if anything like you know you see you've you've read the memes and seen the stuff that people say about black women in in both lights, both mm-hmm. negative and positive. do you have any feelings about the responsibilities of black women having to bear this burden of mental health mm-hmm. for the black community?
2: Mm -hmm. We know about this strong Black woman stereotype in our community. And I think for a lot of people, um, we sometimes fall into that because you get a lot of praise for being a strong Black woman, right? Like people look up to you, they congratulate you. There's a lot of praise related to it. But I don't think we always think about the toll emotionally, physically, that that can take on us, like wanting to kind of be there for everybody else. And so I think it's unfair to place Black women in that um, that kind of a, a situation. And I hope more people can do the work of actually tending to their own mental health for themselves and not looking for other people to do that for them.
1: Do you have methods and ways that you recharge yourself? It's like seeing as you're sitting in that seat.
2: Hmm. Yeah, so, you know, I feel like this has been a huge lesson for me. I mean, especially as the work of Therapy for Black Girls has grown, like boundary setting has become more and more critical for me. I'm doing a lot more saying no to things and have built a team around myself to help me also to manage, you know, just some of the things that are coming in because the work is really important, um, but the work can't continue if I'm not taking care of myself. And so it's important for me to stay grounded to who like just Joy is, not necessarily Dr. Joy. Um, so staying connected to family and friends has been critical part of that self-care work for me too.
1: On the hit HBO show, The Sopranos, The lead character, Tony Soprano, is a mob boss suffering from panic attacks. He goes to see a therapist, but as the leader of a crime family, he keeps it largely under wraps. He worries that if his subordinates or rivals were to find out, they might use his vulnerabilities against him. Now, I I know Sopranos is fiction, but I can relate to Tony. For him, emotional vulnerability was an occupational hazard. And while that's not the case for me, it still feels risky. As a man especially, we aren't commonly encouraged to admit challenges or to address tough feelings. A lot of the messaging we receive, whether from media, sports, or even each other, lacks the compassion that might encourage us to admit that we don't have everything that we need.
3: You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. Make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. Member FDIC.
2: The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast, with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobilecom now.
4: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
1: You focus on therapy for black girls and I I love that this is centered around black women. I think it's important. Mm -hmm. However, Mm -hmm. we know that there are a lot of Black men that need to go to therapy. And that's Absolutely. that's a Ronald opinion statement, so I don't want to get anybody in trouble when I well, say that. Well, I think <laughs> a
2: lot of people in general just need to go to therapy, Agreed. right? I mean, that,
1: yeah. Agreed. So, but how do we, uh, especially when we talk about the stigma, I would say that stigma exists probably a lot more for Black men uh, mm-hmm. that don't go to therapy or would never even step foot in a therapist's office for a litany mm-hmm. of reasons. Is there any work to be done to uh, to focus on on Black men in that in those ways?
2: Absolutely, there are concerns and things that Black men also need to kind of unpack and dig into in therapy. Um, so there are lots of organizations that are doing incredible work related to Black men in therapy. Um, so I have a colleague, Rashawn Miller, um, who has a, a company called you Stress. Who does a lot of great work just kind of normalizing mental health for black men? Um, there's also an organization called Therapy for Black Men who, who does some of that work as well. So, as women, we we do have it a little easier in terms of like our emotions sometimes being normalized, but we know that by large, you know, men are are taught that you shouldn't have emotions and you gotta be strong and just push through it, right? Man and so up. that is exactly man up. And so that definitely is an added barrier to, to keep to, to reaching out. For services
1: uh, in the past year, we've had a lot happen. Uh, there's been COVID nineteen. There's been the killing of George Floyd and the racial awakening. There was the ending of the presidency of uh, of Donald Trump, the beginning of the Biden presidency. We've had a lot of change and a lot of things that particularly hit the mental health of Black folks. Uh, in what ways have you seen these traumas come up in your work?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think people are probably predominantly operating in a, in a space of chronic stress right now, right? You know, so all of the things that you've listed, plus like just everyday life. And a lot of what we are experiencing is a grief reaction, not only to people we may have lost in our lives and just the the number of people who have died related to COVID-19, but also just the loss of life as we knew it, you know, loss of like, you know, a steady schedule. Like there's just been a lot that we have had to grieve. And as a society, I don't think we do well with grief and endings. And so I think a lot of what we're seeing now in terms of like these outbursts that people have on planes and, you know, altercations in the ground grocery stores. Like, I feel like a lot of that is related to people just not recognizing that they are in a, in a chronic stress kind of a, a place right now. And so I think mental health is something that we all have to take care of. And we do know just the impact of being Black in this world comes with its own mental health challenges because of racism, because of discrimination, because of all of these things. And so on the other side of the pandemic, whenever that is, we will have to deal with what these past 18 plus months have done to people and I think a lot of people are still just trying to make it day by day and so they don't necessarily recognize like how they may be maybe reacting in a way that's not typical to how they usually act.
1: Do you think that black folks are disproportionately bearing the burden of mental health challenges in the country right now?
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely think the numbers are probably higher just when we look at like the number of deaths that have happened related to COVID-19. We know that that's been higher in the Black community Um, and the, all of the racism and all of the other, you know, kind of um, microaggressions and things that have happened on top of us just trying to stay safe in a pandemic. You know, so I definitely think that there are some higher levels of stress um, for Black people that don't exist in other communities.
1: What can our listeners do um, if they're listening right now and they want to help get involved with um, destigmatizing therapy for Black folks? What can they do to help?
2: Hmm. So I think one of the best ways to to really help is to, like, pay attention to the Black people in your life and, like, give them a break, right? So <laughs> if you are an employer or you are in a position of power and you have the ability to give people flex time or days off or those kinds of things, like, you should just expect that the Black people in your life are struggling in, in multiple different ways, right? And so I think being able to kind of give days off and, like, checking with people to say, how are you honestly doing is really, really, Really important, without, of course, being invasive, right? You don't want to pry into somebody. Yeah, somebody's I was going to say, life. how do they do that without? <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do all of that. Yeah. You don't want to do all of that. But you know, honestly, making an effort to check in on your people, I think, is is really important and can actually go a very long way. There's a an organization we work with a lot called the Loveland Foundation, um, which raises funds for Black women and girls to go to therapy. So if you recognize this as something that is, you know, something that needs some work and something that needs some resources, and you have available resources, then donating to them would be a really good way to kind of use your resources. There's also a new book that came out recently that is is excellent just in talking about the interior lives of Black women. So it's a book called Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen, mm-hmm. The Emotional Lives of Black Women. You know, for people who are interested and for Black women themselves who just want to kind of break down this strong Black woman idea and really get in touch with how they can do a better job of setting boundaries and being more in touch with their emotions, that would be a great book. To
1: check out, when do you say that this work, your work, is kind of like reached its, its and I guess there's, it's really never done, but when would you look back and right. say, wow, we've really, We've really turned some things around here. What, what does that mm-hmm. look like for you?
2: You know, I think we're already seeing, you know, just more conversations from people around, oh, my therapist said this in session. Are people sharing, you know, self-help books that they have read that have been impactful for them? But the work, you know, therapy is not going to be what everybody does. And so, you know, there are lots of other things that you can do in terms of like taking care of your mental health. Do you have a good handle on what boundary setting looks like? Um, are you practicing things like mindfulness so that you are staying engaged in the present moment? Do you have like healthy conflict resolution skills? Do you understand like what it means to regulate your emotions? Like all of those things are also a part of taking care of our mental health, not just therapy. In five years, I think we will see even more, but I already am seeing, you know, a greater conversation around mental health, which is really encouraging.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Joy, for being with us. You're
2: welcome. Thank you.
1: Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford is a licensed psychologist, author, and the founder of the online resource Therapy for Black Girls. She is also the host of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. I started therapy for a personal reason, and I stay in therapy because I recognize the positive impact that it has on my life. While there are plenty of systemic issues that Black folks face that won't be resolved by talking to a therapist, there are plenty of personal issues that can be unpacked and processed to our benefit and there's something that's just so valuable about taking the time to speak and truly have someone listen if you or someone you know is in crisis please call 1-800-662-HELP that's 1-800-662-4357 and if you're looking for additional mental health resources check out the links we'll include in our show notes Solvable is produced by Jocelyn Frank. Research by David Ja. Booking by Lisa Dunn. Our managing producer is Sasha Mathias, and our executive producer is Mia LaBelle. I'm Ronald Young, Jr. Thanks for listening.
4: Step into the world of power, loyalty,